In the following live session recording, Cameron Wilkins, Mike Ricks, and Kimberly Outs, state missionaries with student ministry at Georgia Baptist Mission Board, will talk about creating a win in your church with some small shifts in your ministry. Small shifts can equal big dividends. Working together, we can empower parents with a passionate plan to make disciples who make disciples. In this session, the listeners will hear about three awesome shifts to grow your student ministry. Also, the listener will learn about the vision of the new Georgia Baptist student ministry. Let's join Cameron, Mike, and Kimberly now. Hey, welcome to our, um, welcome to this breakout where we are going to discuss three, uh, three major minor shifts that you can make in your ministry for big changes. That's what we've promised, and we promised candy. And the candy's on the back uh, table back there. Please help yourself to it before Jay Reaver eats it all. Uh, we, uh, we enjoy our jobs. We work for the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, or at least three of us work for the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. We now have one uh, full-time senior pastor who's hey, up here with us today. When we planned this class, we were all one happy team, and now we're like a team and a reunited team. So, so Ricky's going to kick us off with his, uh, his staff or his shift. You want to take what, a look ahead of what breakouts are? Oh, let's do uh, that. How, how do I do that? You got so you to just start talking. About what they are? Oh, yeah. In okay. case you missed it. In case you missed it, this is what we just did. Okay, we did equipping parents to lead their kids spiritually with, uh, with Jamie Willis in this room. Were any of y'all in here for that? How was it? It was good. It was good? good. Awesome, awesome. And then we did Drain the Swamp with John Price. Who was in there? Was that okay? Is that good? Okay. John has taught some type of time travel time management Ooh, system yeah, forever. Okay, so he's really good at that. And then uh, what is really working in student youth ministry, no one showed up for that. I feel bad. I feel bad. But, but anyway, no one did because I was left out of the program. I was left out of the program. We're just glad to get an excuse. Huh. Keep it up. Keep it up, fuzzball. Okay. So that was it. You just missed that. If you weren't here, you just missed all of those. Uh, if you'll all come these, to, all these are available uh, at gogeorgia.net/downloads. Exactly. Uh, for free to you for being for here. For free, except for mice. If you want that one, then I will. I, I promise you, you'll come to your church with me. I'll come to your church and do it, or uh, for free, or. They can download it from the Statesboro, where I will be treated with royalty <laughs> next week. Yes, we're gonna make. That's I'm right. gonna hype that one are, up. Are you understanding why Ricky felt the desire to leave us now? <laughs> it's kind of like a zoo around here. Okay, what's next? Let's know. Let's listen tomorrow morning. Let's talk about right. I'm just kidding. Oh, let's let's skip that one. Okay, Definitely. teamwork yep. is dream work. We have two champions from the uh, youth pastors in the area who who share the role. Of pastor or, or, or leader in their church, husband and wife team doing it by locationally, doing an excellent job. Come uh, be with Clint and Heather tomorrow. That's going to be fun. And then partnering with parents, Brent Baskin from um, Shore University. He is the dean of um, youth ministry up there. It's going to be fun to be with him. And then we're all on the same team. Jacob Griffith with Maysville Baptist Church is talking about how to take your church from a uh, traditionally historic institution into an organization that ministers in a, um, how do you say, relevant, relevant context. context. Or, is that what you say? Relevant context? Sounds great. Something. Okay. Somebody read the description. 
Thank you. <coughs> Connecting the community is John Oliver. How to connect in your community, obviously. And then John Oliver is going to be here? Exactly. All the way from LaGrange, Georgia. And then next generation remodeling, connecting the silos. You know how in some churches is like a kids ministry over here and a youth ministry over here and college ministry over here and they never really commit, connect and work together? Well, this is uh, exactly what this is about. Connecting and working together. Reaching students amidst generational and cultural change. Listen, this is our boss. So y'all need to be here, okay? For That's time. actually our boss's boss. Is it our yeah, boss's boss's boss? Okay, so... All right, so Steve Parr, who wrote Why They Stay, has written The Coffee House Church, or How the Church Started the Coffee House. Um, <laughs> he's going to be in this room teaching tomorrow, and it is going to be grand. So if you're looking for somewhere to go tomorrow afternoon, during Breakout 4, that's a good opportunity for you. So that, We just wanted you to see and hear from us what is happening, okay, with, uh, with training this week for here at Go Georgia for Youth Ministries. Ricky, you've been awful quiet. I'm it's here now, to serve. It's How much candy did you have, Mike? <laughs> I've had many. I've had many. <laughs> so without any further ado, Mickey Smith, the floor is yours. All right, thank you. So uh, let me unpack a little bit of kind of where we are in Georgia Baptist life and related to Next Gen Ministry. And then I'm going to give you one small shift that you can make that would make a major impact in your ministry. So in everything that, uh, if you were in the, the main session, you know, Thomas began to kind of cast a vision of what will officially be launched at the annual meeting of this kind of re, rebranding, reorganization of Georgia Baptist Mission Board. And in that, you know, we're intentionally moving from kids ministry and student ministry to next-gen ministry to make sure that we are kind of banging the drum, so to speak, throughout the state of Georgia for the intentionality of ministering to students in a strategic way from cradle all the way to college. And in that mindset, you'll hear more and more about that, but um, one of the key elements of doing that well is paying close attention to those transitional points. So I want to kind of bring attention. I'm going to tell you the small shift that you can make in your ministry. One small shift that makes a major impact. I'm going to tell you what it is, and then I'm going to unpack it a little bit. Okay, here it is. Don't let your students leave your ministry until November the 1st of their freshman year in college. That's the small shift. Don't let your students leave your ministry until November the 1st of their freshman year in college. All right, now let's unpack this a little bit. Why would that small shift make a major impact in your ministry? Here's what we know. Uh, in our culture, graduating from high school is a really big deal. Right? Huge. It's a really, really big deal. And it's something that... It's, it's one of those natural growth gates and transitions for people. You graduate from high school, and now we consider you an adult. The family gets around and celebrates with you. It's a really big deal. And I'm in no way saying that graduation should be not celebrated. It should. In my ministry over the years, I've been doing ministry to students in varying different roles since 1994. And in every year I've done that, it's been a really big deal of graduation Sunday or we have all this and I'm not I'm not telling you to not do any of that okay this shift does not minimize the value of any of those things still do your graduation service and still do your all that stuff but here is the thing that hasn't seemed to change I know at least for the last 20 years we've had this statistic that breaks our heart that 70% of students walk away from the church 
That's heartbreaking. And that statistic doesn't seem to be changing. Different research will come out and it may vary a little bit back and forth, but it seems to consistently land around 70% of these students leave the church. And if you look at reasons why they leave the church, they vary. Some of them will say, I never intended to leave the church, but I just became distracted. Some will say, I did intend to leave the church, because I felt like I needed to explore other things. Here's what I know. If a student's in your youth group for more than four years, and all they have are pizza parties, don't be surprised if they leave. Don't be surprised if there's no depth to what we're giving them. But here's what I would say. Uh, Statistics would tell us if a student is in church on Sunday morning, October the 1st of their freshman year in college, they are 60% more likely to be in church when they are 30. I'll say that again. If the kid's in church on Sunday, October the 1st of their freshman year in college, they're 60% more likely to be in church when they're 30. So here's the small shift to make. Historically, what we do, they graduate from high school in May, we walk them across the podium, yay, we give them a Bible, see ya, and yeah, you can come to youth camp with us this summer if you want, but for all intents and purposes, the intentionality of our discipleship investment into them, we begin to shift our attention into the rising juniors and seniors because we immediately begin to think, I've got to start developing my leaders for next school year. That's where our mind immediately goes, right? Mm -hmm. We do it. Is that bad? No, because we've got to be thinking of that next. However, what if when they went off to college, somebody called them every Sunday morning, get up. What church is your butt going to today? Mm -hmm. What if we pushed them? What if we held them accountable to make sure they are in church somewhere every Sunday morning at least through the month of October? If we, if we just shifted our focus to that date on the calendar, we're increasing the likelihood by 60% that all the years of investment of time and money into them up to that point increases the likelihood that it sticks. Even going so far as to say then, okay, uh, another small shift along that vein, if I'm not only shifting my attention away from May to November, also I've got to begin to think, how do I help you prepare for what to look for in a church? I mean, let's, how many of these kids have ever had to go look for a church? None of them. And I would even go so far as to say, in most situations, the full-time youth pastor does not need to be the one to teach them to do that, because you've never gone to look for a church either, because it was always someone that was going to hire you for a job. But somebody else in your church, a parent, a family member, somebody that has walked through that transition, that can teach them and show them and equip them. This is what it feels like to look for a church. And then what if we equipped our parents so that in the, in the spring or fall of the prior year, when they're going to do college campus visits, we're equipping them with the tools to do church visits as well. As well. That they're taking just as seriously as that visit to college to also visit churches and scout them out. So um, that's a small shift. Shift your mindset. Don't just celebrate in May. 
celebrate in November. And that's when you pass it off in that transition you call it. You guys got anything you want to... We can even ask a question. Go first, Cam. You'll be there. I'll open up for some questions All right. about that topic. Cool. We'll kind of, we're going to treat each of these shifts as kind of separate conversations. So, any questions about this small shift specifically before we go to the next one? What about your kids that don't leave um, great, that what? don't leave to go all through college, the ones that just stay locally, stay uh, I come from a small church, so we really don't have uh, a college classroom setting for right. young adults. Like we, we have that missing time, that missing window in our church when you go from a senior in high school to now you're 25 and got kids and you want to get back in church, but that's right. what we do. Um, that's a great question. So for those kids, what, what do we do? I today? would say keep keep the shift date the same. Okay. So I may not be so focused then on making sure, you know, calling you or having somebody touch base with you or asking you this question on where you're going to church in September. Uh, I may be looking for you on Sunday. And, and for them then, it may be I've got to find some ways to keep you engaged in church or give you the opportunity to serve in church. Right. That same level of involvement and that same statistic would ring true. So I'm, yeah, so I'm still shifting my mindset to carry them through, even hold their hand to that point on the counter. I love the holding the hand concept, the idea there. Um, Y'all have a men's ministry in your church? Yes. When our seniors, uh, sometimes even juniors, um, the men's ministry begins to reach out to those guys. So as they reach out to those guys and pull them into barbecues and pull them into different things, um, it, it, it's really amazing to see the connection that happens there. Not as diligently, but I've seen our minister of music reach out to those guys and pull them in. You know, especially if they're really talented. He's also pulled some into the sound room and other places, uh, to the PowerPoint room, you know, to, to pull them other, into other parts of the church. Connecting your older high school students with ministries inside the church is critical to achieving what um, Pastor Ricky is talking about. I see what I did there. Oh, yeah. Amen. Um, <laughs> so connecting them to, to your church besides being connected to just the youth group. One thing, our church is small too, one thing that we did is we started having a, um, a Bible study class for college leaders mm -hmm. on Thursday night. And they, were, they literally went over to someone's house and just hung out and had a Bible study. Um, we, had a, we had a young adult Sunday school class that no one attended, brother. I mean, like two or three. You know the drama, okay? Well, they started having that Sunday school class at the teacher's house, and she fixed the breakfast for them. The number, it didn't double, it tripled. I mean, they went from like three to nine to 12. It was huge, okay? And then they went back from the house to the Sunday school. You know what happened with that? Mm. Did the so, food stop? Pardon me? Did the food stop? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no. I was so, a church for food. So I, I really appreciate that problem. Um, if they're not going away, you've got to be really intentional. And it may be even harder. Whereas this may be a text or a call and, and, and a couple of visits, that's going to be a weekly effort. But yeah, that intentionality's got to be there. Great question. Any others? <coughs> How do the BCMs play a part in this? Uh, BCM stand position to partner with the local church. That's that's what they should do. And so, um, 
I think this could either, if it's a, I'm sending them off um, and I'm encouraging them to get connected to the BCM, you know, the research points to the Sunday morning engagement. Yep. Um, I think if the research were expanded, I think it probably would also show some benefit to just connecting to the body of Christ. Um, so I can't speak to what the statistics would say differently if it was only connected to the BCMs. But certainly the BCMs can, I would say, be the avenue. If I don't know uh, that area, or if I don't know somebody that knows that area, I might call that BCM and say, hey, I need you to tell me some churches near you that you can help me direct to. And this is a kid I want you to connect with. Here's their phone number. And they'll make that relational connection as well. And Ricky, a lot of times the BCM will, at the beginning of the semester, have churches come in with, right. you know, things that, you know, the churches that want to connect, uh, which, which gives Open house. them a further right. Yes, sir. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about the parent side of this? Um, because I know in my church, I mean, I had a conversation with a father in passing. Can't wait till my child turns 18. Kick him out the house. Yep. You know? um, and so how can we practically go about um, helping them change their, their mindset? I know it won't happen overnight, but what are some practical suggestions? So that, that that's a great question. What happens? Um, real practical, if I'm having a conversation, I've got to elevate beyond high school graduation faithfulness to God's church. Amen. So, any parent I talk to, hey, you want your kid to graduate high school and go to college? Yes, I do. What are you doing about it? Man, we're saving money. We're doing research. We're looking at colleges. We've got these visits planned. That's fantastic. Okay, well, what are you going to do about their faith connections? Let's talk about that. And so, just calling that out on them, holding them accountable to it, but even equipping them for it. That's what I was even kind of implying a minute ago, equipping them with their mindset to communicate this statistic of success, increasing the likelihood of it, to say, okay, so mom and dad, maybe if I'm focusing on my sophomore parents, hey, listen, you're, you're going to be thinking, because they may start making college visits their junior year. Yeah. You're going to start making college visits in the next year or two. We want to start now helping you begin to think about parenting what are the church visits you're going to do? What are you going to look for? Empower them to be a part of that process as well and equip them for that information. So just making them aware of it, talking about it, <coughs> keeping it on the radar. Yeah, we had a college tour that we would do, and if you were thinking about going to this college, you know, you and your family were welcome to go on that campus visit with us. Uh, and so that was invited all all high school you know was invited to that because they're thinking about it you know long in advance and it's kind of a cool thing as a freshman or sophomore to get to go to Milledgeville or wherever but you know um, my church is about 30-ish minutes from uh, University of Georgia and I was wondering how do you how do you discern whether to encourage them uh, to find a church near them or to uh, make the trip back home. And I know every kid's different, but <coughs> any advice? Because I've kind of, uh, I guess I'm thinking about this because we actually, last Sunday, we had a, uh, we had a young lady who like, drove all the way from like a medical school in Atlanta like an hour to come visit our church because she had a friend there. <laughs> so it kind of 
maybe question whether I've always been more like, okay, find a local church, but that kind of made me question that. I mean, I, I think all those got to be taken on a case-by-case basis. Like, what's motivating you? Why are you doing it? Because maybe they're coming back because of a relationship. Maybe they're coming back because of a service. Maybe they're coming back because there's someone that they know doesn't know Jesus, and the only way they'll come to church is if they're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think I've got to balance. One, okay, regardless of what church you go, if you're going to way to college, I need you to find a connection to a faith community there. So that may be a midweek Bible study if you were insisting on coming home to go to church. Uh, i got to make sure you're connecting to other believers wherever you're spending the majority of your time. And then I'm going to treat that on a case-by-case basis. Uh, what makes the most sense for you and what ultimately are you trying to accomplish? Because it may be there's a valid reason they want to come home or maybe there's a valid reason for me to push them not to come home. You, know, you don't need your mama, bro. you got to kind of so I, I'm going to have to take that on a case-by-case basis. The, the principle is, in church somewhere on Sunday, connected to a community of believers. Mm-hmm. All right. Move to the next topic. All right. Good stuff. So uh, I'm going to talk about how uh, the shift we're going to talk about, just to go ahead and line it out, uh, is uh, the shift in how your, uh, the shift in the culture of student leadership. Uh, so the shift in the culture of student ownership, uh, what are they owning? And so, uh, you know, the statistic, 70% leave the church. We know, uh, we know that statistic. We've heard it tonight. Um, and so one of the biggest reasons kids leave the church is because they don't know what it's like <coughs> to be a part of the church. Right, their greatest contribution to a church, which we know is not a building, the church is a movement, not a monument, um, and it is, you know, part of Christ's mission and completing that mission. But being a part of that, and they have to have a, a part of that, or else they're not going to think anything they're doing is important because we haven't given them anything important to do. All they, their greatest contribution is just sitting in a seat uh, and seeing who can eat the most pizza. Uh, and that that cannot be after they've been at your church for 12 years that that can't be the list on their greatest accomplishment because your kids are going to be attracted to a high challenge a high uh, uh, you know excitement environment and so that doesn't just mean events that that means what are you doing to attach my life to the mission of Christ and so how are we doing that as a church mission trips are a huge part of that you know, there's all these things that we do that are already a part of that, but we have to know that that's part of the strategy and not just us maintaining what we've always done. Uh, and so we know uh, that there's this company called Disney, and they have a lot of production value. Uh, it's very impressive. Our family has bought in uh, to Disney entertaining our kid, uh, and so we are just whether it's Marvel, whatever it is, we're just we're there. I, I have a two-year-old, and so she's not necessarily into Marvel, but she does love Ariel. And so I know that when when I take my daughter to her church, to her, you know, that she is not going to be entertained like a Disney movie. And so we can't. I don't know about your church. My church is not going to be able to compete with the production value of Disney. Uh, I mean, they spend 10 years on one 90-minute movie. 
Okay, you know, there's no reason. I mean, you, you, we're not, we shouldn't try and compete with that. But Disney can't compete with the community and the purpose that the church provides. And so, yeah, Disney's going to over-entertain you compared to what your church can do. But we're not just going for entertainment. We're going for purpose and engagement and aligning them with Christ's mission. And so uh, you have to capitalize on that. If you're not pointing towards their life with Jesus as being a captivating thing instead of just this sedentary sit and listen, that's not what life with Jesus is like. And we don't want them to think, I mean, I wouldn't stick around either. None of, you know, none of us would. And a lot of the reasons that you probably didn't leave after a certain amount of time is probably because that was your experience. You experienced being a part of Christ's mission while you were at that age. And so what elements need to be present for a youth ministry to develop, to develop this strong culture? You know, a place where students feel connected to each other and are bought in to the purpose, you know, of Christ. What, what needs to exist? We can set up some rules. You know, you and a lot of families, you know, do this. You're going to camp. we got some camps. Shameless plug. <laughs> you know, you're going on some mission trips. we got mission trips. Right, I mean, the, but there's these rules sometimes that are just set up. But here's what's better than a rule. Uh, what's better than a rule is, is a value. Because you need an authority to enforce a rule. But what enforces a value is a peer. And so it's them enforcing, not enforcing, but encouraging to follow this, follow this value together. You know, you have to go on this mission trip, is what a parent says. You have to go to this camp, is what a parent says. But when a kid says it, you have to go. Isn't that something completely different? Uh, and so that kid, we value camp, and there's just different ways to approach it. And so how do we make that change? How do we identify what the culture of our student ministry is like, whether it's three kids or 30 or even more, right? What, what do we have to identify? And so uh, the first, cause here's, here's the thing. We, I mean, we have to engage our students in leadership, in what they're doing, in what their calling is, and, what, and aligning them uh, with Christ's purpose for their life. And so there's four C's I'm going to uh, give you real quick and then we'll um, keep it rolling. First is creativity. What outlets do you have for your students' creativity? Uh, these are creative kids. If you, if you go and you ask a group of five-year-olds who's an artist, we can all raise their hand. Lily Claire, she's an artist. You know, you, if I ask you all who's an artist, I mean, I'm, there might be a few of you who, who still continue to raise your hands, but if I ask you who's creative, right, uh, I mean, we are all designed to create, and we all have different ways that we are, we are creative. And so uh, what, what do your students own? What do they own? I mean, what are, I mean, they're capable. I mean, how many of your kids in your, in your student ministries want to be a YouTube creator now? Right, they want you're right, and they they want to be a vlogger, a streamer, or something like that. Uh, some kid just won over two million dollars playing a video game, or is it's it my, more than that? It's my daughter. She's splitting three. Up. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. Okay, and so anyway, so they that they're they're seeing these, and just like a lot of us wanted to be football player, I mean that this is what they want to be now, and so they've got these skills. They want to be creative in these outlets. You know, we just have to be aware uh, enough to help focus that energy. Do your, do your, and this, this is a conversation about culture, do your students get to share uh, their opinions? 
on things, on anything? Do they have a seat at the decision-making table? I mean, do they need to have a seat at the table? No, no. But, I mean, do they, can they make a decision over anything, or are they just showing up and everything's done for them? Like, I mean, these, these kids are amazing. And so uh, provide an avenue for them to share their opinion about what does this look like? What is, you know, why, is, why does the building have this? What's this sign? Can we get a sidewalk? What's this sign? This never works. You know, there's never batteries in this. I mean, there's all these things that they see and that they can be the ones who own it. They can be the ones, I mean, they have as much energy as anybody in the room, and we just got to find a way to harness that. And so do they have input on what your space looks like? Do they have input on, input on what the leaders look like? How, how I mean... And this is important. I mean, what do they think about, you know, the leaders that are with them? It's not, I mean, that's just good feedback that you're not necessarily going to be able to get on your own. I mean, I just, I'm speaking for me. I just can't see everything the way that a 16-year-old sees it walking into my church for the first time. Uh, they're just creative. The next is communication. Uh, what's the communication method that you're using to communicate with students, volunteers, and parents? You know, do you have one? Is it excellent? Uh, I mean, is because there's that communication method is an easy way to look at, to make it look like you're more prepared than you are, exactly. or you know to make it. Uh, I mean, that's the perception is reality for a lot of these things, and so your communication is really really important. It doesn't mean you're texting students all the time, but they can text your they can text their friends all the time, and if you're setting up setting an example for that, you're not having to make it a rule and saying all the time from the stage or your you know, group said, hey, text your friends about this, invite them, invite them. Okay, if I'm going, if I'm going to Krispy Kreme tonight and nobody got to tell me that I need to invite my friends, I want them to come with me, right? And I want our churches to be the same way. I want them to be irresistible because they're going to find a community there that they can't find anywhere else. And so they're going to value inviting and texting their friends about it and that's that's where we have to get this view and so communication is critical when it comes to shaping your culture the next is common experiences it's two words but that's how we go so camps retreats service projects those are great things okay and you don't and youth ministry is hard because you have to sometimes be an expert communicator. You have to be an expert like counselor sometimes and, and conflict resolution. You have to be an expert event planner. You have to be, I mean, you have to like be all levels of leadership at a maximum capacity all the time. Um, that can be the trap that you fall into very easily. Um, and so don't do, I mean, look for ways to, to, these, you know, camps done for you, retreats done for you, service projects. You don't have to write every small group curriculum, right? There's all these ways out of that. And so these, but to get to these common experiences, you have to see what your strengths and weaknesses are because football games and bowling and Chick-fil-A sometimes are just as important as going to SuperWow. Providing these regular experiences that are outside the church walls, Service projects are great for that. I mean, that's what the church looks like. The church is a movement, right? And so uh, a lot of times it's these simpler everyday experiences that allowed you to build these relational connections because trying to convince a family to pay $300 to go to camp is extremely tough if there's no relational equity there. But if you spent time or 
not only have you spent time, if you have equipped and challenged other leaders to spend time doing this, that's the culture that's a healthy culture. Um, and I know we want things to grow, and so a lot of times we fight to do this method, do this program. But I know one thing, that healthy things grow. And so if we can get a healthy culture, that's what, that's what fights half our battles for us. Uh, the next thing is core beliefs. Um, do they know the core beliefs of their faith? Do they know, can they articulate the gospel? I mean, and this isn't, this isn't something that we need to shy away from. Uh, do they know what the mission of your church is? What's the mission of your church? I mean, what would their answer to that be? Do they even know why your church exists? Or is it just something that's always been there for 128 years? And it, I mean, yeah. What is their role and how they are a part of the mission? And that shift changes everything for student ministry over the long term. It helps, it helps fight all these issues that they're going to be facing for the next 40 years. Well, most of the issues in our churches could just be solved with better discipleship and student ministry. Um, so, okay, there's my 10 minutes. Sounds good. I wanted to, I, was, I just wrote, this was my summary statement of what you just said. Get over yourself and empower your kids to lead because they can probably do your job better than you can. They can do a lot of jobs better than you can. Our, at, my, at, our, at our church, our leadership team was called the Lamp Squad. Because we just had a ton of lamps that needed to be turned on because I refused to use overhead lighting. Sorry. And so, you know, anyway. And so it can, the leadership is serving like Jesus served. It's not necessarily you know, doing the flashy things on the stage. It's rarely ever that. Questions? Can you elaborate more on communication part of it? Yeah, anything specifically. So, like, what are effective communication tools? Okay. Yeah, and so, the biggest part of this communication hinges on your relationship with them. And so, again, that's, that's the culture that helps fight half of these battles. They want to read your emails if they don't care about you or don't think that, you're, that you care about their kids. Uh, no. And so uh, there's a lot of free email things out there. I have always just gone with MailChimp. Uh, texting changes all the time, it seems like. Uh, you know, if you can, uh, I forget all the, the what's the teacher one? Something 101? Yeah, Remind 101. That one's changing a little bit. Um, I, you know, group me is effect is effective because it's really hard if you want to message. Uses that real well. If you if you want to message a, like one kid, it's just really kind of I don't know. And so if you want to set up different group me's for different, so that removes some liability as well. Uh, you texting a group of people with other adults in it and kids. Uh, it's always funny to see what happens with the GIF thing uh, in those or GIF. Uh, if you discovered the word after 2010. Uh, other excellent communication methods. One that we use is called Band. And uh, you can like put all your students in. Uh, a lot of my students, their parents don't let them use like, any social media. But they will let them download this app because it's just a messenger app. And on it, like, 
Um, maybe we're just going out to meet up. I can put a poll and say, do we want to go to Chick-fil-A or Zaxby's? And they can vote. And it's just an easy way to go back and forth with all the students. It's an app? Yes, it's okay. called Band, just B-A-N-D. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's tough because I'm one of those parents. Yeah. 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 And so my youth pastor uses Instagram to communicate with students. Mm -hmm. My kid doesn't have Instagram. Mm -hmm. So now they're doing Instagram and group group me. Yeah. So um, it, that's a big challenge. Yeah. But my wife does Instagram and so we allow our son to see Instagram on there. So we see it, it's posted. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to do multi-platform. I mean, you got because the parents are more likely to be on Facebook. The kids are more likely to be on Instagram. You can use Remind to hit everybody or group me. But sometimes, if you know, it is a buffer where you can send one thing out and it'll go or hoops, but there are different ones that you can do it once and it'll send it to multiple things. That, yeah, it always helps. The nice thing about Remind is that kids and parents are used to it, yeah. and so most of them have it in their yeah, text is king as far as yes. red rate. I mean, yeah. compared to email, Facebook, yeah. everything else. Not, not all guy, okay? Um, really? Fifty <coughs> none of your business. Yes. And um, <laughs> so, when I want information, it's typically at five in the morning when I wake up and like, well, what, what do they need? Where's the to-go list? You know, for my son who's in the youth group going on a trip. And so I like having a 24-hour source website of I can go and look for event information. But here's the thing that I found: most youth groups do not use their website very effectively. So if your if your son's going on a rafting trip with First Baptist Church and you go to their website and look on their events page and it's it's about the Christmas party that happened six months ago, you know you feel like what kind of people am I dealing with here? As a parent, you do, you know, I'm just, just be honest. Uh, so I think there should be a 24-hour place that I can look. So I look for old newsletters to see if the information's there on email. I go to the church's Instagram page to see if it's there. But if you're talking about excellent communication, then your parents need to know, if you wake up and look at that information, it's going to be here. If it's not here, you need to call me because that's where it's supposed to be. Does that make sense? There needs to be one place I know that I can look at the refrigerator and find that specific item. That's what I think about when I think about extra communication. Do you find that if, if it's that that's the case with student ministry, it's probably the case with the whole church. Mm. And so goes leadership. Mm -hmm. You know, that yeah. the church doesn't put yeah. a priority on that. Typically if, if it is because you're right, there has to be a place for it. Oh yeah. That's good. Web page is good for that, especially if it doesn't have a slider. That's okay. even that's even better. Yeah. But you can use, there's, there's sheets though, because you can embed your Google Calendar. So you put it in your Google Calendar for your own stuff anyways, and it just automatically goes to, to your web page. So clearly, you have asked a black hole question. So actually wasn't a question. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> but all of these things fit, but is it... Uh, Answering even where you're wanting or curious. Yeah. Okay. And I would I would oversimplify to say this. Pick one thing. Mm -hmm. Tell everybody this, this is, is what we're doing, thing. and this is how you find it. Mm -hmm. And so then you don't have to have to maintain fifty thousand different things. 
Now, here's the beauty of it. If you want to get real nerdy, I can have one thing and it deploy to many other sources at one time. It's a web page, it's a WordPress site, and I'm going to update one post, and as soon as I click live, it, it goes to this, and it goes to this, and it goes to this. But just pick something and stick with it. Cool. And just let everybody know this is where the information is. And then you just have to be diligent to communicate with that thing. One thing that we, <clears throat> that we have done, which goes with what you're saying about giving the kids ownership, is I don't Snapchat. I've never Snapchatted. That's good. But going to have my I did students, twice. that's how they communicate is through right. Snapchat. So I give my student, I give them the information going, put this out for me. They send it out and all their friends see it within 10 minutes. Right. And I've communicated to a larger number of the group than I would ever be able to. Right. And then again, you know, we would post it on Facebook, we would put it on Instagram, and you're hitting those pockets. But that's a way of getting the kids involved too is if that's the way they communicate, then let them give them a little ownership. Yeah. And to that end, you have to know your audience and figure out, you know, uh, I, Amy Peak Major, First Baptist Church of Range on the Square. I think her, what she has done, I love. She recognized she has three different forms of communication, but they have three different distinct purposes. <coughs> so she would say, if I'm communicating to parents, this is the way I communicate. If I'm communicating to the public, this is how I communicate. Mm -hmm. And if I'm communicating to the kids, this is how I communicate. Mm -hmm. And so she's aware of the different different purposes and who she's trying to communicate with. So, and figure out what's working. And I love that she's recognized those are her three audiences. Yeah. She's got students, she has parents, and then she has a general populace that she's trying to reach. It makes me crazy when someone tells me I'm publicizing this at church I want everybody to come and they put it in the bulletin because it okay it needs to be in the bulletin yes that's the way your church communicates but only people who are at church are going to see it if it's in the bulletin if they read it, if they read it. and so the people at Kroger aren't going to see it does that, make, does that make sense and so if we, we advertise the church people to get lost people to come to church <laughs> like advertising it I'll stop that's good that's good Mike can you uh, put your chair closer over here to the mic as we begin the third part oh really the microphone over there I'd love to we're you're about to actually get to talk I'm gonna be on TV the internets um, <clears throat> Mike, what's your favorite candy my favorite candy is a zero bar did you ask me or somebody else that's what is I there anybody else named Mike in here? I, I don't know. You were pointing back this way like... Well, because she said zero. It's Kimberly. my turn to speak now. Go away. <laughs> All right. So um, my major shift, I said major because it is major to me, now, but it's really something you can do very easily, is, um, is parent ministry. Okay. Ricky's already mentioned it, getting parents involved in the mindset of your kid hasn't graduated until November. You're helping them follow through to that next step. Um, last October, we were doing a roundtable in Social Circle, okay, just down the road from you. And one guy said, if you do not budget for your parents, then you're giving your parents leftovers. And that really resonated with me as a parent and as a youth pastor. 
Okay. 83% of parents believe that they should be the one involved in making the decisions. 83% of parents say they should be the most responsible for their child's spiritual development. 83%. I'm the one who decides, helps my child decide. I'm for spiritual development. Okay, but 48% of those don't consider faith among the most important influences on parenting. Now, do you see that? It's great that 83% says, hey, I'm the man. But 48% of those that say, I'm the man, say, faith doesn't have anything to do with it. Only 29% say faith is the most important influence on their parenting. The way my parents did it is number one. Okay, the way my parents did it is number one. That's phenomenal. Someone mentioned, uh, I think it was you mentioned... um, I thought about it anyway when you said you asked your question earlier. Josh. Uh, Josh. <coughs> Is it Josh? Yes. Oh, I just pulled that name out of the air. Oh, or maybe Cam said it. Zero. Um, Zero bar. It's Thank you. Handy bar. So, so Josh asked a question a minute ago, and I remembered this, a part of this survey that I'm looking at from Lifeway says that to be a successful parent, for my, for my child to be successful, that only 9% of parents tie a spiritual element to that. Isn't that phenomenal? That only about 9 out of 100 parents would say, for my child to be successful, they've got to have a heart for the Lord. Interesting that it's an odd number. But yeah, sorry. But that's crazy. What do you think? Okay, so when you were talking about how do we get parents on this page, I believe that parent ministry and beginning to educate parents about the priority of the Lord helps us in that area. Now, how many of you have drop-off kids in your youth ministry? The parents just drop them off. Okay. I love that because that is an avenue into that house. Mm -hmm. So here's some ideas about how we can do parent ministry to those parents who are totally disengaged. We can go out in the parking lot. We can put together a little goodie bag. And when mom drops Sally off, Put it in the door. You put a Chick-fil-A coupon in there so when they leave, they can go get a chicken sandwich exactly. and come back. So hey, we're reaching man. out. We're saying we care. We Maybe we put a little return postcard in there. Hey, do you have any comments you'd like to make towards us? Or maybe we give them an email address. They email us back. You know, maybe I just once a week go out in the parking lot and speak to these parents that don't come in so they can put a face with a name. Hey, who was that goofy-looking guy who came out there? I know, but he gave me a Chick-fil-A coupon. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? So we're beginning to bridge that gap. So the next gap is asking them for prayer requests. The next gap is asking their name. We're beginning to develop a little ministry with those parents in the, in the yard or in the parking lot. And we're taking those initial steps because in a few weeks, maybe we can send them some information about what we're doing with their students on Sunday morning or Sunday night to say, hey, here's a lesson that we studied on Sunday morning. Would you mind asking these follow-up students to your... Um, follow-up questions to your student. I would love it to get to, to get home on Sunday and there be an email or a text from our youth pastor saying, hey, here's what we did in Sunday school. Can you help us um, strengthen that message by enforcing these things this week or as, as a family reading these verses this week? So now what has this parent, now what has this youth pastor done? They've engaged the parent in that discipleship pro- process. A process that 83% of them say they be, they bear responsibility for, and we're saying to that parent, we believe 
that, that discipleship, and we believe that faith needs to be a part of that. So we value you, we value your student, and we're giving you tools to disciple your student. I think it would be easy because when I, Cameron, sometimes when I put together a, um, a lesson, I try to think about my creatives in the room, okay? So I may do something like, uh, at a certain point in the, in the session, say, hey, now I want everyone to draw such and such and such, you know, on their scribble, draw, make a draw picture. Or I might show a picture on a PowerPoint, and I'll talk about the picture as if it's a part of the lesson, or it is a part of the lesson. So I think about those kind of things. But before we start thinking about the parents as we're developing this lesson, is there something I could send to the parents, some message I could send to the parents that would help them be a part of furthering this conversation when they get home? It sounds like a huge shift, but to me it's just a little bit of a, you know, just a little bit of a, I'm going to show parents care. I'm going to show them some nurturing. I'm going to start developing a relationship with them to share the gospel. And I'm going to ask them to engage with me with their student. Another thing toward parent ministry, I count this as parent ministry, is begin to market your youth ministry towards your parent. Okay? Who brings your middle schoolers to the youth ministry? Mom and dad. If what makes me want to get up on Wednesday at 5 o'clock and take my kid to youth group? Chick-fil-A. Sorry. Praise <laughs> the Lord. Oh, yes. Okay. Are you so, sleeping at 5 o'clock? I, I could be taking a nap. Um, <clears throat> but, you, but you see what I'm saying? If, if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, then you don't have a teenager yet. But, so, so let's say it's Sunday afternoon. I got up early. I taught Sunday school. I went to church. Blah, 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 blah. I came home. I did some yard work. Da, da, da. Now it's 5 o'clock, and it's time for my son to go to Bible study. Hey, Mac, what are y'all going to do at Bible study tonight? Oh, uh, we'll probably play some basketball. We might have a small group. What are y'all doing in a small group? Oh, I don't know, Dad. doesn't really, you know, we talk, whatever. Okay, how motivated as a parent am I to get up and take my kid no, Mac to, needs I don't to know, the yard. whatever. Mac needs to mow the yard instead. Okay. Or do his homework. Are you a youth pastor? Okay, so what, what I would like to know is, what's going on in youth group tonight? What, for the next few weeks, what are we studying? What, what benefit does it have for me to bring my kid to, to your youth group? Now, I know that sounds kind of crazy, but what if we marketed it toward the parent? If your kid goes to camp with us, they're more likely as an adult to stay plugged in to their um, church community. 52% more likely. 50 cent I just made that up. But, 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 but it's statistical. I mean, they really are more likely to do that. If they go on a mission trip, they're more likely to be engaged in the faith community as an adult than if they don't. Ricky's already told you the statistic about <clears throat> uh, getting plugged into a church before November, after they graduate in May or, or June, <clears throat> how much likely they are to be involved in that church. Man, we've got to do something to engage parents in this process. So that's the shift that I'm beginning to talk about. And I believe we can do it towards marketing your parents, telling them what we're doing, and also begin to ministering to parents and inviting them into this process. That's I think good. that's important at even at like the high school level, equally as middle school and down. Because like we, mm-hmm. I text, I do text and talk to the kids all the time because I feel like at that age, it's their relation, you know, they've got to be involved in their relationship with Jesus that their parents can't, like they got to be involved. Right. You know? And we talk to their parents a little bit, but not very often. Because they're older. But you're saying you think about even for that age. I think there's a point in a parent's life 
where they disengage and they say, <clears throat> a parent disengages from their kid and they say, well, they're going to college next year. They'll be off my payroll. I think there's a point in high school when they say, you know what, I, I can't fight this social media thing anymore. Here, have social media. I can't fight the curfew thing anymore. And, and they be, I think there's a point that parents begin to give up more and more of the reins. Okay, and I think that anything we can do as youth pastors to help them stay engaged in their kid's life, to help them grow as a discipler, you know, there's some big decisions that kids are making at 14 and 15 and 16 and 17 and 18 years old that mom and dad need to be engaged in. So I love the idea of them getting started, you know, in preschool, discipling their students and being involved in discipleship all the way through high school. Um, but yes, I think hitting the parents with this message is a good idea um, because of the stuff that's happening in kids' lives that they need help working through. And typically in our ministry, somewhere between 16 and junior year in high school, um, fewer kids come. And so mom and dad bear more of the brunt of that discipleship process. Does that make sense? Yeah, I know it And I would say, if I could add to it, this will sound like I'm contradicting you. Please do. No, 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 I'll hit it. Deuteronomy 6 would say this. It is mom and dad's mom and dad's job to disciple their kids. Totally, absolutely agree. So, uh, I have a 15 and a 13 year old daughter, and one of my daughters, I'm not going to say which one it is, because some of the folks in the room know my kids. Every morning, when she wakes up, she goes to the pantry, she gets a box of cereal, she pours her cereal, eats her breakfast, goes to get dressed for school and leaves that box of cereal on the counter. Every morning. Not in my house. <laughs> as long as I go and put that box of cereal away, she will never learn to put that box of cereal away. Right? We know that. Mm -hmm. Let's go to church. As long as I, as the pastor, think it's my responsibility to disciple that kid, that mom and daddy will never disciple their kid. I cannot assume their job, but I have to hold them accountable and equip them to do their job. If I've said anything different than that, so that's exactly what I mean. Here's here's <laughs> here's here's even a, a even a more shift to one of the practical yeah. things that you just said. Instead of sending you discussion questions after Wednesday night to invite you to have a discussion with mm -hmm. your kids about the things you learned. Why don't I send them to you on Monday night and say, hey, I would really love to come behind you to teach your kids something. Oh, that'd be awesome. Could you go ahead and start this conversation? Mm -hmm. That way, when I get to the point that I'm teaching you, I'm saying, hey, your parents have already been talking to you about blank. Let's go a little further. So you to be reinforcing... Yeah, I'm the, coming the, behind mom and exactly. dad rather exactly. than asking mom and dad to come and, behind and, me. And the, point, and the point of my positioning of it after the lesson was that the majority of parents that I deal with couldn't find the right. book of... Second King. Yeah, I mean, this, there's a, that's a multifaceted yeah. thing, you know. Uh, because especially if I got the drop off Maybe parents. this is the beginning, maybe this is the middle, and maybe something else is the end. But, but you see the process we're trying to point to. 
Well, because half of the kids that we have come, I mean, we've had a pretty good number of kids, their parents have to make them, make them come to a meeting if we're going to take their kids out of the state. Yeah. They want them to sign the papers for oh, the yeah. Yeah. You can sign it for me. Oh, exactly. I mean, not, not <laughs> digitally. Can you so, check, you know, I don't necessarily deal with it all. You know, I mean, I've been doing this for close to 20 years. Yeah. So, it's a total about faith. It's definitely a level of intentionality to, yeah. to get into that world. Yeah, I agree. That's good. Thank you. I agree. Mm-hmm. I think it's a lot to do with building relationships with the parents. Because if you know what's going on in the home and all what's going on with the children, it kind of makes them want to come in. Mm-hmm. So if you're not connected relationally, because mm-hmm. I'm building that gap between fifth, sixth, and seventh grade. So I know your kid when he's a baby, and I know him, you know, and I'm walking with him mm-hmm. through these different weird phases they go through. Oh, yeah. And the, they feel safe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, each part of a kid's life is going to have uh, different phases and each phase you're going to be able to leverage different influences to impact their life and by the time they're in high school the number of influences that they have in their life are are, are much much greater and so how can you leverage you know that that uh, you know multiplicative capacity uh, of what what's possible as opposed to it all having to come from you, uh, and because at at that level it 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 can't. You know the the urgency of, of high school <coughs> parent ministry is much different, you know, than than it is for me. You know, when Lily Claire's just forming her first sentences. Yeah. Right. And so the urgent and so the tactics have to change, but that has to be identified. Um, and so. You can't just have one parent communication strategy for every phase, mm-hmm. um, and so you're you're going to have to team up with, you know, their small group leader. You know, the part of being a great small group leader <coughs> is, you know, relating to the parents. And so, I mean, I know there's this oh, different yeah. there's different parent events you could host at your church, uh, or not have to be at your church, but you know, for your church uh, that. Can can be attractive, and some are, are laissez-faire at that point. But. Cameron, kudos for using multiplicative. I was going to say, the man, I'm not even sure what that means, but it's really awesome. Not. That's good. <laughs> John, I think well, it's not exponential. So. Well, I I was just going to say that developmentally, when you look at a high school student, or just what their brain is doing, it is so much more important in high school. Even though we're thinking, oh, they're more mature, that that kind of thing, they don't need their parents, but they're really starting to, to wrestle with abstracts. Mm-hmm. And so to engage the parents in conversation with them is going to help them. So many kids walk away from the faith because their faith is still stunted into that that child, mm-hmm. you know, not childlike, childish faith. Yeah. And so um, it, it just used to aggravate me so much when a kid would come back from college and say, man, I really... Uh, yeah. I accepted Christ. I'm really on fire. I heard stuff I never heard in youth group, and I'm thinking, no, no, no. You heard it. You heard it. And you just didn't hear it, and you weren't at a place where you could wrestle with it. And so I think it is super important to help the parents have discussions. Not that they have to have all the answers, because that's one of the reasons why men don't engage. They don't want to look stupid. And uh, mm-hmm. but to wrestle with some of these things that might keep the interest of the adults 
if you if you ask them beforehand to say, so so what did they say? You know, what was their answer when you talked about it on Wednesday? When you start to wrestle with yeah. these things. So. One of my boys said to me recently, he says, Well you know what uh, you know what the pastor says about that? Mm-hmm. You know what the pastor says about that? Awesome. And I said no, I, I don't think I was paying attention really. Um, you know, but I made him, you know, I made him articulate or give him a chance to say, articulate speaks for it, I know. I give him a chance to say what the pastor said, you know. Good job, Mike, for using articulate and sentence. Can you elaborate on ways to attract drop off parents? Like, events that you could host or things of that nature to get those parents in. Um, so one of the biggest ways to be relevant is to find out what meat you can eat. Exactly. What need you can meet. Exactly. Mm, what meat. I like meat. Uh, I don't. Is, am I allowed so to last year, you know, leave that? So last year my wife is at an event. Okay, She's at a public school event and the parents around her are talking about safety on the internet and their kids. Okay. Everybody wants to keep their kids on from the internet. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can do an event such as that. Mm-hmm. But my former pastor used to believe that you ministered in love until crisis hit, and when that crisis hit, you stepped into that crisis. Now, that's a way to meet a need. Yeah, sure. definitely. But there, I mean, we want to be, and that's why I mean, we want to be more proactive than that. Yeah. And so, uh, college is just a big. Yep, it's a big thing. So having those college prep nights, bringing in leaders from your church to say, hey, here's some financial, here's a financial breakout. Invite other churches to it. Also, right. yeah. you know, hey, here's a, here's some finance breakouts. Here's some how to get plugged in a church breakout. Here's a how to figure out what you're going to do with your life breakout. I mean, you know, so it's attractive for the students and the parents. But you know, if you want to be relevant to a parent or anybody, what need can you meet? Can I, can I be the preacher in the room? Yes. I'll give you three P's. You ready? Power of the pen, the ministry of presence, and proactivity. Here's the power of the pen. I want to show that parent I care about them, write them a handwritten note. Word up. Here's the ministry of presence. I want to make an impact in their life. Show up when there's crisis and keep your mouth shut. Just be there. Mm-hmm. You don't have to come in with eloquence. Just be present. Proactivity, kind of the point of what he's saying. You understand what a parent needs before they know they need it. And you understand the development of the child before they've gotten there. So if it's training, if it's symposiums, if it's roundtables, if it's podcasts, if it's resources, if it's training, if it's equipping, if it's books they can read, whatever it may be, Hey, you might want to be thinking about blank. This is coming up in life. Let's keep you talking about that. Because even a parent that doesn't know Jesus wants their parent, their kid to exactly. be successful. Exactly. And whatever you can give them to help them do that, they're going to listen. Because especially if they're a first-time parent, they don't have a clue to do it. And they know it. And they're scared of that. Maybe you add one more P or to be incorporated into the pen is praise their kid. Yeah. You tell a parent why their kid's awesome. And you've got Absolutely. They, they want to engage with you. Absolutely. Public. Because, yeah. especially, especially <laughs> if it's that problem kid. Right, right. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The only call they ever get <laughs> is a bad one. From their kid is a bad one. Yeah. And what if you call them, just say, listen, 
I just want to call you and talk to you about Haley. Oh gosh, where does he go now? <laughs> Nothing. He's just awesome. And I love having him around. You gotta have prayer of you know what's the about this world. Hey man. We had a we had a kid who was who was always in trouble and I, I, I wasn't being disingenuous when he, I told his dad, I said, hey, I love having him in group, man. He's great. And dad looked at me and said, you're just, you're just blowing smoke. You know, you know, and I'm like, no, seriously, I really do. And that family has stayed plugged in. And I mean, it, it just, it's praise. I love that. Other thoughts or questions? Very cool. Somebody said earlier that we'd be glad to come to your church and do some training. That is definitely one of the things we do as a mission board, and we don't charge for that. If you want to give us free food, that's awesome. Um, but even if you don't, that's still cool. We'd love to come and do some training for you. And I say that as sincerely as I, uh, as I, know, as I know I can. Ricky's going to tell us about this advanced mission week, um, which is behind you there, brother. And hey. because it is his brainchild. Um, so, you're, if you're not aware, there are a lot of events that are offered, and you guys may say other ones I don't know. Sure. Yes. So we actually birthed this event this year as a missions experience, a missions week, um, starting it, connecting with the church planter in New York City, um, Patrick Thompson, who is a friend of Georgia Baptist, has been a planter up there for eight years. And so this is a week-long missions experience trying to connect students with a hands-on missions experience in an urban environment, also connecting them to uh, North American Mission Board Church Planting. So here's all the wins in this context. One, uh, I would say, and I hope you would agree, that kids need to see the world and need to be engaged in missions outside of their local community. It opens their eyes. This specific missions experience gives them the opportunity to get their hands dirty by physically serving, humbly, maybe cleaning a park or raking leaves. It gives them the opportunity to see the world through a different lens. New York City's 97% unreached. The county where we served in Queens is the most ethnically diverse county in the entire United States of America. So they are going into one neighborhood and all of a sudden they're in Indonesia they're going into another neighborhood, and now they're in Mexico, and they're going into another neighborhood, and they're in China, Legit. and they're going to another neighborhood, and they're in Bangladesh. It's a crazy experience for them to see and experience the world without leaving the United States. Also, in connecting with a North American mission board church planter, as a good Southern Baptist language, they get to see the cooperative program and Exactly. They see it, they touch it, they feel it, they taste it. And so, in my only research, I mean, only time will tell, it should increase the likelihood that they grow to be an adult who gives to missions if they've seen it as a kid. So, this was the first summer we do it. Next summer it'll be June, the, the week of June 14th. 14th, 18th. Um, AdvancedMissionsWeek.com. AdvancedMissionsWeek.com. You check it out. Awesome. Um, we're going up on the 13th, though, hey. <laughs> because we're, that's how we roll. So, Impact is our discipleship camp. Next level discipleship. Word. And it is, um, it is a great experience. Okay, now, what Impact is not, 
is you come together with your church and you have a group bonding experience all week. Okay? It's not that. But it is a discipleship camp that promotes individual um, uh, practical spiritual growth, teaching those disciplines to a child. They go home and carry out life with Christ beyond their church. Does does that make sense? Um, It may not be for everybody, but some churches just bring two or three from their church to this camp. And they use it as a leadership type uh, of camp. It's a great experience. People who are committed to impact come back year after year after year. Our church went for 20, I think we went for like 27 or 28 years, or have been for 27 or 28 years. It is a great time. happens the first two weeks of June in a lovely place called Tacoa, Georgia. Um, First two weeks of June. And you can bring one kid or you could bring 100 kids. We'd love to have them and serve them. We, we divide them by uh, the grade they are in school, and uh, they room they room in the same uh, general area as their church, or in the same rooms as their church, um, but they're not with their church friends all day long. That's what makes it a little different, but the benefit of it is, is that it's an experience about them and the Lord, and, and they, look, they meet friends from all over the, um, the state. Cameron, tell us about um, Super Wow. Super Wow. Hit it. Super Wow. So Super Wow is our other summer camp, uh, and it is the uh, the tried and true church uh, youth group camp. And so we're it's getting uh, it's just it's my first Super Wow was last summer <coughs> in 2018, and it was really cool to see what all the hype was about because uh, Super Wow's been <coughs> running for a long time. Uh, Thirty-five years. We know. This is, is that an anniversary now? Uh, and so this this has been uh, an amazing opportunity to see how much churches uh, use uh, a week at the beach or a week at Tacoa to fuel you know those relationships that last all year long. And so Supervise that traditional uh, camp uh, when it comes to youth ministry. Move conference. Can think of no place I'd rather be December 27th and 28th this year. There's going to be 5,000 of us gathered in Macon, Georgia. Woohoo! There is a Krispy Kreme. Hey, is uh, Bubba Crowder going to be there? No, but David Crowder is going to be His there cousin. this year. His cousin. I don't know. David probably <laughs> You know, there is a Bubba Crowder. I saw some... You know, he, but he won't be in Macon. Because we have <laughs> David. Yeah, <laughs> David Crowder. <laughs> yeah. The Clayton ugly, King. uglier, more talented Crowder brother. So, Clayton King, Naeem Fazal... Uh, Riley Clemens, Micah Tyler, awesome. Bethany Bar Phillips, David Crowder. Uh, it's it's cool for your kids to see what is like. Oh wow, there's more than like 20 people. There's more than three people, you know, who love Jesus, who are my age. And so, Move Conference is just one of those opportunities to go open, widen the scope a little bit, and, and they get really great food trucks as well. Uh, and uh, Ricky, you want to tell us about Conclave? Sure. I would say this about what, one of the things that I think is cool about Move. Who's never been to Move? Anybody? Okay. It is the largest annual gathering of Georgia Baptist. Baptist. Period. <laughs> times times by by fifty three percent. So that's a pretty big deal. Actually, I'm just kidding. It's actually by like uh, hundred something percent. Conclave is every January in Chattanooga. It is specifically designed as a training and equipping and networking experience for you, for adult leaders, 
whether they are paid or volunteer, um, whether they are the leader or part of a team. Senior pastors? Whatever. Whatever. So it is a three-day event. What's beauty, the beauty of Conclave, is it's adults only, and it is a cooperative event from multiple state conventions. So it it is the beauty of the cooperative program really working. It's mm -hmm. one of those sad, rare occasions where we see multiple state conventions collaborating and working together to produce one thing to resource back to the local church. It's awesome. So, uh, you know, so Georgia's a part, Florida, South Carolina, Tennessee, Alabama, North Carolina. Mississippi, North Carolina, Arkansas, uh, Lu did I say Louisiana, Kentucky, so it is. It is. So we're up to ten now. Uh, yeah, it's a bunch. So it's a I lot of states. Says eight, yeah, um, and we we will them. typically see up to twenty one states represented in attendees. Mm -hmm. So it is a national scale event. Mm -hmm. um, but the the experience of worship and the people that are there is awesome. But the best part is just you can be fed and be encouraged and network with others. There's a whole. You think oh, Georgia got a lot of breakouts? Conclave has a bunch of breakouts, and it's all the best ones from seminaries and all over. You know, all these different exactly. states. Everything so, from like, theology to dealing with sexual <coughs> gender issues to how to have great games for middle schoolers to Bible studies for girls—really practical in every nuance mm -hmm. area of student ministry you can imagine. Yeah, Josh Griffin and Robbie Gallaty will be there, so that's pretty awesome. Exciting. Well, we've enjoyed our time with you, and uh, we'll be around all day tomorrow hanging out. So if you have any questions. Um, or if you need some more candy. Exactly. Come find us, and we'll hook you up. Yeah. You mind if I pray for you before you leave? Lord, we love you, and we thank you for the work that, uh, that these volunteers and these pastors and leaders do in the lives of students. Lord, we have touched so many topics today. I pray, God, that you would um, just... Help us to remember what we need to remember, Lord. And God, I pray that that relationships would be formed tonight that might encourage and help us grow um, in the coming years. Uh, Lord, even longer than that. And God, I thank you for the, the work of these camps and training opportunities and missions. Lord, I just thank you for what's going on in the life of, uh, of Georgia Baptist. And uh, Lord, a couple of things that Ricky said he mentioned a couple of times the cooperative program. Lord, thank you that churches are coming together to serve you, Lord, in harmony. We thank you for that, Lord Jesus. And I pray, God, that you would just bless our efforts to reach students and their families. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.